years ago, I used to, when I was really growing as a Christian, I started really studying the Bible. I loved it, and I was getting to teach it, but I turned on the radio, and I was listening to J. Vernon McGee. Do you all know who, anybody in here remember who J. Vernon McGee is? Not very many. J. Vernon had taught through the Bible, verse by verse, all the way through. Dallas and Mary grad, went to the church to open door to Los Angeles, was there for like 50 years. But he has a ministry in which, he, in a five-year ministry, he teaches through the entire Bible, verse by verse, every five years. He's passed away a long time ago, but his ministry still on the radio. He was still alive when I listened to him. And one of the first things I heard was him teaching the shipwreck of Paul. And I thought, wow, that is so good. It's like a story. And then I realized it is a story. It's true. It's the, but it's the Bible. And I thought about how's the Bible, how should we look at the Bible? Because I remember I would turn on the radio. <clears throat> this is in Starkville, Mississippi. And there was this guy that he, he taught the Bible very well and was a, had a grace message. But he taught like this, turn in your Bibles to Acts 2. We will look at this passage. Let me read Acts 1, verse 1. And he read, I mean, you sit there and you go, you go, this is good, but I can't stay awake. What Jay Vernon taught, he'd say, may I say friends? And then he'd start talking. And I thought, that's the way the Bible should be. And so when we study the Bible, when you look at the life, even the life of Paul, this is going to be the shipwreck this morning. How should we look at the Bible as just some book that, we just try to tell what it says, or should we help it become alive? And it already is alive and powerfully sharpening to it as sword, but should we teach the Bible, as, jo, as, J, as uh, old Prof. Hendricks used to say, don't ever bore people with the Bible. So we have a great privilege looking at the Scripture. So as we look at the life of Paul, I want you to realize how amazing it was. Look at this. I've got some things for us to think about. <coughs> Three missionary journeys, wrote 13 letters. Now, let's look at this together. On his first missionary journey, he wrote one book, and what was it? Galatians. On second missionary journey, he wrote two books. It was first and second Thessalonians. On his third missionary journey, he wrote three letters, and that was uh, first and second Corinthians and Romans. Then he went to Rome. He was arrested, put in prison in Caesarea for two years, then went to Rome. He was in prison in Rome for two years, but while he was there, he wrote four books. So one book, two books, three books, four books. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Then he was, but he stood before Caesar and was released. This is where we are. We hadn't got to Rome yet. He then traveled, and as he traveled, he wrote two books, 1 Timothy and Titus. Then he got arrested, put in prison, and his final book, 2 Timothy. So that is the, the letters and the flow. And I, I've got this for you, that, that, not to write down. You just, I just want you to see it. Here's sort of the flow. Paul is arrested in Acts 21, his defense before the people in the Sanhedrin. Then the conspiracy in Acts 23, Paul before Felix. Paul's two-year imprisonment, Paul before Agrippa. The voyage to Rome, this is Acts 27, this is where we are today. Paul's ministry in Rome, we're going to see that. And then he spent two years in prison in Rome, and he wrote four letters there, and so we're going to be seeing that. So I just wanted to give you like a big flow of seeing Paul's life. And I think it's important because sometimes when you read books of the Bible, if you read Galatians or Philippians or Colossians or any of those things, sometimes people don't even know who wrote them. Or why are they written? Why would Paul write to the churches of Galatia. Why would Paul write Ephesians? What would Paul write when he's in prison in Rome and why? And so it's really important to see all of those things. So this morning, we're going to look at the trip to Rome and see the shipwreck, uh, and thanks to J. Vernon McGee. And then we're going to look at teaching the Jewish leaders and then Paul's two-year ministry. So let's go, the trip to Rome. You can be in Acts 27. I'm going to put a lot of things up there, and we're just going to kind of talk. 
God had promised Paul that he would make it to Rome and testify for him there. So let me tell you, what does Paul know? He's going to Rome. He's going to get to Rome one way or the other. Is that right? I mean, that was the plan. His original plan was to go to Rome. On the way from there, he would go on to Spain. But he didn't know he's going to end up going to Rome and basically as a slave or as a, as a prisoner. And so he's ready to go. He has appealed to Caesar, and after two years uh, in Caesarea, what happens? Paul had appealed to Caesar, and on to Rome, two years. Here's what happens. Acts 27, 1 says, when it was decided that we would sell for Italy, they're ready to go, they proceeded to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. So Julius is a Roman centurion. What is, who does the centurion control? 100 people. I mean, that, that, that is the backbone of the Roman army were centurions. They were men of character normally. They were wise and they were strong and they were leaders. And so we meet a man named Julius and he's got some other prisoners. They're going to get on a boat and they're going to be heading to Rome. And here's sort of the outline. They're being at Caesarea. They're going to go up the side and they're going to get on a ship. They're going to go around this way. They stop there for a while. Then they end up and they go to this place called Fair Havens. Now I'm going to tell you that they get there, but it's really late in the year. And they said, we can't make it to Rome. The weather's too bad. So they decided that they would go from Fair Havens around the island to the other side to right there to another place. And when they got out to get ready to go, a wind came along and pushed them out here. And they were out there for a long time. And they ended up shipwrecked on the island called Malta or Melita. And they were there for a while. We're going to see that. Then they found another ship and they went all the way to Rome. So that's what we're going to see. We're going to see what I call the shipwreck because we're going to see them getting on the boat and going to these places and then getting out in here. So we're not going to go into a lot of de uh, details or anything, but they, uh, they, they, they sailed. And let me just stop and say this. That they got it. It got bad. And so they said, let's, we, we stopped here. And they said, maybe we better just hold up for the, the place. And so this, this says in Acts 27, eight, and with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lathea. So that, that's where they're going to be, and they're, they're there. And they decided to stay, but they said, it's not a good place to stay for the, for the winter. We need to go to the other side of the island. So now here, just picture this. They're, they're deciding what to do. There's a, a Roman soldier and the ship captain... And Paul and others. And Paul says, by the way, uh, we don't need to leave here. Uh, we don't need to go to the other side of the island. And they looked at him like he's an idiot because this is a Roman soldier, centurion. And then here's the captain of the ship. And the captain of the ship says, we need to go to the other side of the island so we can be there for the winter. Paul says, I don't think it's a good idea to go. And they look at him and basically say, what do you know? So guess what happens? They start to go, and they have favorable winds, and they go, oh, this is good. And all of a sudden, a thing, a big wind comes. <coughs> but before very long, they rushed down from the land, a violent wind called Iracrito. And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. And all of a sudden, instead of getting to the other side of the island of Crete, they're pushed out into the ocean. And this wind and this storm is pushing them, and they can't control it. And they don't know what to do. And, and so they're all, they're all upset. And it gets to a point where they have to throw everything overboard to lighten the ship because it's going to sink. And by the way, 
When I first studied this a long time ago, I thought to myself, okay, what, what, what is it? It's like a ship, okay? So you got a Roman centurion and some prisoners and a captain and a few other people. So I, I, in my mind, it was a ship with about maybe 30 people, 40 people on it. There's way over 200 people on this ship. We're going to see in just a little bit how many people. This is a big old ship. This is a giant ship. And so they start throwing everything overboard. Paul's so funny because Paul at time says, uh, I told y'all not to go. <laughs> I love Paul. He's not afraid to say anything. And so it, the wind, it put them out in the middle of the sea. They didn't even know where they were. It says this, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. And no small storm was a southerners. Luke writes that. What would we say? Big storm. He said, no small storm. And so from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. They all gave up. I mean, these, there are people who are selling this ship that that's what they do for a living. And then there's the prisoners, and then there's Paul, and there's the centurion, and there's other people, 276 people, I think, is on board. And, and they finally say, we're lost. We have no food. We have nothing. We're not going to be able to make it. We're not going to be able to make it. All hope was abandoned. Now, what did Paul know? He's going to go to Rome. What did, God, what did Paul know? That God promised Paul that he would go to Rome. Now, let me throw you this out again. How many people were on the ship? Acts 27, 37 says all of us on the ship were 276 people. Is that a pretty good-sized ship? I mean, it's not a little boat, right? It's not a little fishing boat. It's not just a little boat. This is a huge ship, and all these people are on there, and it's going up and down, and they've thrown everything out, and people are sick, and they're dying, and they're all, they all say, it's over. We will not live. We will not make it. And so what happens is in the night, an angel comes to Paul and tells him, God says you're going to make it to Rome. And in God's grace, he's going to let all the people on this ship live, and you're all going to make it on an island. Now, the ship is going to wreck, and you're going to get on an island, but God has said everyone will be safe. And Paul, you're going to Rome. And so... Paul stood up in front of all the people and said, listen, um, first of all, you should have listened to me and not gone. Second, the God I serve, an angel has appeared to me last night and told me that we're going. And he says, do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. So the angel said, don't be afraid, Paul. You're going to stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. He says, God's going to let everybody on the ship live. I mean, it could be if Paul's going to Rome, who, who, who might be the only one make it? Paul. But no, God said, no, 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 not just Paul. Everybody is going to make it. Therefore, <coughs> keep up your courage, men. Paul's talking. He says, keep up your courage, for I believe God that will turn out exactly as I have been told. Let me ask you something. Do you believe God? You believe the word? Do you believe it's exact? You believe Jesus is going to come get you in the clouds? Even though people think that's stupid. Do you believe there's certain things right and wrong? And they are right and wrong regardless of what the whole culture says? I mean, do you believe that when he promises you eternal life that you have eternal life? You believe that God said, I give you eternal life and you shall what? Never perish? You believe that? I do. I believe every, I believe every word of it. I don't always live it out, but I believe every word of it. 
So Paul said, listen, you don't have to worry about it. God has granted all of those on the ship. And he says, don't worry, I believe God. It's going to turn out exactly as I have been told. And then he says, but however, however, we will land on an island. And they're out in the middle of them. They don't even know where they are. They don't know where they are. And what's going to happen is they're going to be out there for days. And Paul has Paul told them they're all going to make it. But you know what? Most of them don't believe it. If you were on the ship and it's tossed up and down, you're out in the middle of nowhere, the storm has not let up at all, and some guy tells you that an angel told him we're all going to make it, what would you say? I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know what's going to happen. And so they didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, they began, they were on the boat, and the things were going, it's just crazy. And they sensed, because they're sailors, they sensed they were getting close to land. And so they sounded, and it was a certain thing, and then they went a little further, and they sounded again, and it was shallower, and they go, we're getting closer to land. And they didn't know, it was dark, it was dark. they couldn't see anything, they didn't know what to do. And so they stopped the ship, threw out anchors, and, and just said, okay, we're going to wait here till daylight so we can see where we are. And they waited all night, and then daylight came. And they looked out, and they saw an island. And they didn't know what the island was. And they saw this little bay-looking area. And so the captain said, here's what we'll try to do. Since the storm is still here, I mean, it's still raining, still wind, still everything, we will turn the ship, and we'll just try to go right into the bay. And then when we, like, we'll stick in the bay... And then we'll all jump out. That's what the plan is. And Paul said, listen, he stopped everybody and said, listen, before we do this, everybody needs to eat because you haven't eaten in two weeks and you're going to have to have your strength to make it. And they looked at him and he broke bread and prayed in front of everybody and they all ate bread. And then they said, here we go. And some of the guys pretended to be putting down an anchor and they were going to try to escape try to make it on their own. Paul turned to the centurion and said, everybody or nobody, get those people back up in here. He said, get those people back up in here. They got them back up in the boat. And then they said, let's go. And they went. And they were going pretty good. And then they hit the bottom and the boat stuck. But the back of the boat was like this. And the wind and the waves began to tear the boat to pieces. And some of the Roman soldiers said, kill all the prisoners. Why? Because if you're a Roman soldier and have a prisoner and your prisoner escapes, what do they do? They put you to death. They said, kill all the prisoners. But Julius said, no, 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 Paul. I got Paul. My job is to deliver Paul to Rome. So here's what you do. If you can swim, jump out, swim to shore. If you can't swim, the pieces are breaking up everywhere. Grab part of this thing and float to shore if you can. And sure enough, Everybody jumped out, and they made it to shore. And the rest followed, some on planks, others on various things from the ship. So it happened that they all were brought safely to land. What did the angel say? They're all going to make it. They all made it. They're on this island. It's called Melita or Malta. I had a friend that actually went to Malta one time. He wrote me and said, I'm at the place where Paul was, Malta. I said, man, that's great. So what happens? They get to Malta, and all the people on the island come running out to them. And they're, they're coming up, and they're wet. And, they're, and so they, people on the island said, we'll build a fire, because the rain was coming down on them. It says rain's coming down on them, so let's build a fire. So they start building a fire. So Paul 
He's picking up sticks and everything for the fire, and a snake comes out and bites him on the arm. And it's a poisonous snake. And all the people in Malta, all those people knew what kind of snake it was. And they looked over there and they saw him. And Paul went, and he threw the snake back into the fire. And they all said, he must be a really bad man. Because instead of, God's not going to let him live because he made it through the storm and the water, but God let a big snake bite him and kill him. And then they began to notice that Paul didn't die and that he didn't get sick. And so then they said, he must be a God. And so they came over to Paul, and Paul said, what's your problem? He said, nothing. You got bit by that snake, and you didn't die. And he said, I know. I know. I'm going to Rome. <laughs> and so what did they do? He found out that the most important man on the island, the leader of the island came over to them and said, I have a big part of land on this island. You may stay on my part until you have a way to get off the island. And they found out that this man's father was sick. And Paul said, he's sick? He said, yeah, my father is really bad sick. And Paul said, where is he? So they took him in to where that guy was. And Paul healed him, just like that. And all of a sudden they went, you may be a god. And he said, no, 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 I serve the living God. And all of a sudden, all the people on the island began to bring all the sick people and the hurt people. And Paul healed them. And they stayed there for about three months. And it was an amazing time. And all the people on the island loved them. And what they found out is on the other side of an island was another Roman ship that had been lodged there for the winter. <coughs> so they got on that ship and went to Rome. That's the shipwreck story. And, and so uh, when they'd been brought safely through, we found that the island was called Malta. And at the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island, which had the twin brothers for its, uh, uh, for its figurehead. So they get on another Roman ship, which, think about it, what are the chances of another Roman ship being on that little island? I mean, it's not very much, but that's there for Paul. Because what did God say? You're going to Rome one way or the other. You know, Paul's probably saying, you know, I'm going to Rome. There's not any doubt about it. Whether I get bit by a snake, whether there's a shipwreck, it doesn't matter. I'm going to Rome. And so they made the trip. I, let me give you a, another map. If you remember, this is where they were on the island of Crete. They were going to go around to the other side. It got them pushed all the way out, all the way out to Malta. And they were there for three months and they got that other ship and then they go to Syracuse and then they go up to Italy and three taverns and all the way into the city of Rome. And by the way, the Christians found out that Paul was coming and they left the city of Rome and they came out as far as three taverns and they lined the streets. And as Paul came through as a prisoner, they cheered for him because Paul is famous. Remember, he had written them a letter. This is the believers, the believers in Rome. And we have their letter. And so here's what happened. So when Paul got there, when Paul entered Rome, he was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. Now, if in your mind you have Paul in a dungeon, he is not in a dungeon. He's in a house. He's in house arrest. There's a Roman soldier there. There's going to be a Roman soldier with Paul for all the time that he stays there. He's going to end up in Rome for two years before he ever sees the Caesar. And so this is where he is. So let's see his teaching, teaching for the Jewish, what happened to the Jewish leaders. After he got there, he got settled, and he said, I'm here to proclaim the message to the Jewish leaders. So if you can find any Jewish leaders 
bring them here. And so they all came to hear Paul. And uh, it said, uh, they called them together. When they had set a day for Paul, people came to him at his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them. Remember the key word, persuade? Persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. Now, I want you to understand, what was Paul's message to the Jewish people? The kingdom, Jesus is the king, believe in him, and the kingdom will come. You understand that when the Jewish people accept Jesus as Messiah, the kingdom's gonna come. Do you understand that? <coughs> when will the Jewish people accept Jesus as the Messiah? During the tribulation. What happens at the end of the tribulation? Jesus come back and the kingdom comes. That's why when Jesus was on the earth and people get all confused, he went to the nation of Israel and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The message to the Jewish people is believe in the Messiah and when you do, there'll be the kingdom. They rejected him as not the kingdom. And, and let me just tell you, anytime, when Paul uh, when Peter stood on the day of Pentecost, he told those Jewish people who believed if the nation of Israel would believe, the kingdom would come right then. But they didn't, and it didn't. When's it going to come? After we're going to be taken off, there'll be the seven-year tribulation, there'll be the nation of Israel turned to God, they'll believe in the Messiah, and the kingdom will come. Look what he taught them. He was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets, showing that Jesus is the Christ from morning till evening. Some were being what? Persuaded for the things that Paul said, and some would not believe. So some believed and some didn't believe. And I could put it this way. Some were persuaded and others would not believe the message. It is that way when you proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. When you tell people that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again and that if you believe in him, you have eternal life, there will be those who will believe and there will be those who won't believe. There will be those who will be persuaded and there will be those who will not. And the goal of our lives is that we wish that everybody we talk to would be persuaded and would believe, but they might not. But what's our goal? Is to present the message to them because we can't make people believe. We get to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so Paul talked to them and some were persuaded, some weren't. And then here's what we see. Paul had a two-year ministry there. Two years he was there. And look what this says. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching what? The kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. That's it. He was there for two years. And you remember that while he was there for two years, he wrote four more books. He wrote four more letters. Anybody remember what they are? Philippians. Colossians, Ephesians, Philemon, exactly. That's the four letters that he wrote. And we're going to find that Colossians and Philippians and Philemon were probably all written at the same time. Ephesians may have been written at a little bit different time. I think Ephesians was written early in the two years, and I think the other three letters were written at the end of the two years. We'll talk about it next week when we see how these tie together while we look at Paul's thing in Rome. Now, let me give you some applications before we go to Grow Group. Let's understand that God uses faithful people. Who's faithful in this passage? Paul is. 
He knows that God says, I'm going to take you to Rome, and Paul does everything he can, as he's, and, and, and he's faithful. What is our goal? To be found faithful. When you stand before Jesus, what do we want to hear him say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's all, that's all that matters. It's not success or notoriety or large ministry, small ministry. It's, it's none of that. It's are you faithful to do whatever God has called you to do? And, and he, sometimes he'll use you over here. Sometimes he'll use you over here. Sometimes he'll use you over here. It doesn't matter. All you say to him is, Lord, I just want my life to count for you. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I just want to be found faithful. That's all that matters. And God uses faithful people. Let me tell you. You remember 2 Timothy 2.2? 2, Paul says to Timothy, take the things I taught you in the presence of many witnesses and entrust these two faithful men who will be able to teach others. You can't entrust things to non-faithful people. <coughs> You cannot teach unfaithful people. They're not listening. They don't show up. They don't care. It's just the way it is. Okay, second, let's be ready to share the good news. How many opportunities a day do we have to share? Most of us say none. Ask yourself, when was the last time you shared your faith? You say, well, I, I think two years ago, you know? And, and we laugh, and it is true, but, but think about it. There's t- opportunities everywhere. We're just not let, necessarily looking for them. Think about Paul. He shared his faith in Jerusalem. He shared his faith in Caesarea. He shared his faith on the ship. He shared his faith on the island, and he shared his faith in Rome. Everywhere we saw him on this whole thing, Paul was telling people about Jesus. And wherever we are, whatever we get to do, let's tell people about our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have the greatest message of all. It costs absolutely nothing. Can you imagine uh, that you've got a product, <laughs> which is eternal life, which costs absolutely what? Nothing. You get to tell people how they can have eternal life. Now, I know some people are going to reject it. Some people are going to make fun of you. Some people are gonna, that's, and that's the way it is. They did it for Paul, Paul yeah, and they did it for Jesus. Jesus said, they lo- if they hated me, they'll hate you. If they love me, they'll listen to you. So we just expect it. So be ready to share our faith. And then the last thing, let's fulfill our ministry, whatever it is. Paul was preaching and teaching. What is, what, what is he doing preaching and teaching? What are we doing? We're to be making disciples. We're to be leading people to Christ, training them and equipping them. Listen, if you're not doing this, you're going to find out that the greatest, the greatest thrill of your life is going to be that you have an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. They believe in Jesus, and then you have the opportunity to help them be trained and equipped. You could say, I don't know what to tell them about salvation. Yes, you do, John 3, 16. You know what the message is. He died and rose again. You know the responses to believe. You know what the offer is, eternal life. You know it. You then say, okay, well, I'll say I led somebody to Christ. How do I know what to teach them? We have a thing called the 412. You can go to that office and we'll hand it to you. It's got a teacher edition, a student edition. We've got the 2-2. If you've not had either one of them or if you had them a long time ago, I'm teaching the 2-2 this fall. You need to take it. And I'll take you right through the stuff and then you can take that and teach somebody else. Brian, you can take the 412 that Brian's going to teach and you can take somebody right through that. We can do it. You can do it. And when you do it, your life will never be the same. It'll never be the same. It's the greatest thing ever.